It is 10 a.m. Eastern, week one. College football season is here. I'm Austin Nace. Guys, Matt Bruning, Chris Moxley, Brandon Hay here with me. This is the tailgate brought to you by Campus to Canton. How are we feeling this morning? I know last week we were hyped. It was the first week of football. This is the first real week of football. I feel like we're just going to, every week's going to be the first week of something, and we're just going to be really, really hyped every single week. Uh, just wait till match. Absolutely. We got to. Oh, well, exactly. Not only that, we've got tons of great games on today. We've already had a bunch of really good college games, so I'm excited to just dive in and talk everything that actually matters college football outside of the five kind of horrible games we got last week. Yeah, a lot a lot of blowouts last week. You know, a lot, not a lot of big teams. Um, this week, you know, full slate. We've got everybody beyond, you know, some of the teams that have already kicked off, uh, and we are going to talk about those in a minute. Brandon, how are you doing this morning, man? You're repping Michigan down there. Um, how are you feeling about them today against Western uh, Western Michigan? Actually, uh, I got kind of in a rabbit hole last night watching some uh, hype videos of you know people that create Michigan hype videos. I do this every year, um, and then I couldn't sleep, so I'm pretty excited. You know, I, I know I'll be disappointed eventually, but I don't think it'll be the first week. So I'm pretty pumped for uh, today's game. What what time does that game kick off? Is it like the early morning game? Or yeah, the, early, the early slate, so you're gonna yeah, be disappointed by like by two o'clock Eastern. Okay, yeah. I was just trying to figure out when to send you a text of like, "Hey, great season, bud! Great season!" Yeah, if anyone needs to get a hold of Brandon, make sure you do it by about two o'clock Eastern. <laughs> uh, he will be unreachable for the rest of the day after that. All right, guys. So I know we have a lot of really awesome games to talk about for today, but we've also had some big ones go on the past couple of days. Some upsets some almost upsets, um, some big performances. So let's review uh, the past couple of days before we jump into today. I think the big storyline is that Ohio State game that happened on Thursday night. Ohio State bringing in that new quarterback, C.J. Stroud, um, a lot of new uh, pieces elsewhere on that team as well. Went into Minnesota, really, really struggled early, was, was down for most of the first half. Uh, came back to win and make it look better than it actually was in the second half, 45-31. Brandon, I'm going to come to you on this one first. Um, since you said you watch all the Ohio State games, you're a closet Ohio State fan. Tell us what you thought went wrong for Ohio State and for C.J. Stroud. So I just wanted to make it clear, I'm not a closet Ohio State fan. I watch the games just so I can make sure I'm educated on our, you know, big rival. And so I can be educated when I talk crap about them. So now that we said that, um, yeah, I was disappointed with how Stroud looked early on. Uh, it seemed like he wasn't uh, throwing on the run very well, uh, overthrew a lot of receivers. The one interception off of Olave's hands was behind him. Um so I, with those receivers against Minnesota that ha isn't known for having the best, uh, you know, defense and secondary, uh, it looked like guys were running open. He just wasn't getting the ball. He looked better in the second half, but uh, I kind of talked to Matt about this last night. I kind of worry outside of Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave this, this year, if any of those other receivers will really be able to put up that much production because it seems like, uh, it's just going to be those two guys based on the targeting, at least in the first week. Um, and another thing I saw is they, they can't keep Travion off the field. I mean, with that one run, the acceleration was ridiculous. So I think, you know, like we thought, 
they would start off with um, Tegan Williams, and then I think Travion by you know maybe week four or five will start to take over that backfield. Matt, I know you were very much in the minority all offseason. You said you thought Kyle McCord should win that job. Kyle McCord should win that job. He did not. They went with Stroud. At halftime, you had to be feeling pretty good about that that take. Uh, are are you? What are your thoughts post game now that you've had a couple of days to digest? Uh, I, I'm still worried about him because uh, Brandon mentioned we talked last night. We we actually had like a very a long discussion about this last night. I thought at first you you saw a lot of people on Twitter saying that they thought it was just jitters, right? And could have been, you know, we I mentioned it on literally Debbie debate that I thought this game was a little bit worrisome because it was literally his first start. And the biggest game he had played in up until this point was the national championship game. There's only 20,000 people in the stands. It was not a packed house. There's 60,000 in Minnesota. It was a, a, he was going into a rival stadium. That team was going to be ready to go. They wanted to beat Ohio state. It, it, it's a, you know, we you joked about it on I think last week's uh, Debbie debate or whatever it was with Collar. No, I think it was on Tailgate or Coast to Coast last week that I said it was like a Super Bowl for them. And I do think that that was a big game for Minnesota. They wanted to beat Ohio State. Thought so maybe it was just jitters, but I feel like if it was jitters, he'd have been like just throwing the ball too high, right? Like just trying to throw it a little bit too harder. He was missing guys by like 10, 15 yards sometimes. Like I, I don't know that it was jitters. And something that I really that really stood out to me that Brandon brought up, he was missing players on almost every throw on the run, which was kind of like a staple of what we thought CJ Stroud was going to be able to bring to this. He was not as athletic as I think some people were giving him credit for. Now I get it. Uh, he had that six-yard touchdown run last year, and all of a sudden everybody's like, he's the next Justin Fields. He wasn't outrunning anybody last night or Thursday night. He was getting caught a lot, and I think that just speaks more to he's not quite as fast as people maybe thought he was after watching that one run last year. I don't think he's going to get benched. And for all of you and some of the people, and you'll know who I am, I was not saying CJ Stroud needed to get benched. I pointed out, and everybody in this little room here will know, I've said from the beginning I thought Kyle McCord was the better quarterback and should have started. Me saying that doesn't mean I think CJ Stroud should get benched. He wasn't – what he did Thursday night was not bench-worthy. But if that continues, I would not be surprised if that happens. But you've got to give him some run. That was literally his first start. You're not going to pull him at halftime. But Oregon – is a different team. That defense is not going to give up some of the crap that Minnesota gave up Thursday night, and they'll stay in that game. Oregon would not have lost that game, in my opinion, Thursday night had they played Oregon. I think Oregon would have won because Minnesota let them get away with some stuff that that Oregon will not next uh, next Saturday. So they need to get together and get that shit to get figured out quickly. So you know, passing game struggles. Um... The, the second half, you know, there there were some big catches for Alave for Wilson. Um, they all ended up having decent days. Travion had had that long catch and run as well. Um, the running back room there, though, I think is, is intriguing. Um, Felix, uh, Jay Kaner had jitters. CJ Stroud sucks. That's very very rude. Um, <laughs> my, Ohio State split the carries, you know, uh, pretty broadly the other night. Mayan Williams got the start. He had nine carries for 125 yards and one touchdown. Um, really, you know, those stats are bolstered by that 70-ish yard touchdown run he had there in, the, I believe, the first quarter. Master Teague had six for 29. Travion Henderson at two for 15. Marcus Crowley got some action as well, six for 19. Um, Chris, I'll come to you with this one. I, I know we all want Travion Henderson to kind of take this job. 
I don't know if he if he ever if if he will at any point this season. So what are we doing in terms of starting these guys in CFF leagues, CTUC leagues, DFS? How are you playing this? So I don't know if you can confidently start anyone in CFF or like in your CTC lineup currently. I just just they're just splitting carries, and that's that's kind of what you expect. I think Trevion will eventually take the job and be the lead guy by the end of the year. He's just too good. And I think everybody knows he's too good. Um, I thought Mayan Williams looked, you know, he looked like a meatball, but he was good. So <clears throat> I'm not start. I'm not probably not starting them, especially next week against Oregon. I mean, I, they just split too much. I, we just don't really know how it's going to shake out. And it's probably an evolving backfield for the rest of the year. And so I, do I week to week confidence in them? Not really. I mean, I, but I, we did see Travion and we saw he's capable of. So I, I think that cements a lot of his uh, campus can value and just like, he's a first round pick and he's been, and he should have been, we all saw it. Yeah. That long, that long touchdown for anybody that missed that game um, caught a, caught a little pass out in the flat and then just like he was shot out of a cannon, you know, just yeah. 70 yards. I mean, you, you saw the speed, the athleticism for a guy that's 215 pounds already. He's got, Great size, great hands, all of that. Um, it was sexy. One, one, it was very sexy. One one last question here for you guys on this game before we move on. Mo Ibrahim, what's, I don't know if they've officially announced what it was, but you they showed the slow-mo on TV, and it very much looked like an Achilles tear or a rupture or however you're supposed to, to phrase it. That's what all the, the doctor guys on Twitter have said. Um, so if he is out for the year, that probably really hurts Minnesota's offense. Are we, uh, I guess I'll come back to you for this one, Chris trace on pots. I mean, cam Wiley, I know that there's some options there. Are those guys, do they just immediately step into that role from a uh, volume perspective? You think? So I didn't think pots look, I, I think pots is definitely not Mo Ibrahim like that. That is not a, um, close to one for one. And I like pots more than I like cam Wiley. I like both guys. I think, it's probably going to be maybe like 60, 40 split until something happens. That's horrible for Minnesota's offense. I mean, Minnesota really is going to struggle this year without Ibrahim. He just tore up Ohio state. I mean, he looked great. I, I, I was never big on him as an NFL draft prospect. And so I think this really hurts him in terms of like the Ibrahim side of this, him tearing his Achilles is like the worst possible injury for him. Like it really, really sucks for him. For him and like all running backs is bad for but especially a guy like ibrahim who has that style of play so i'm really bummed about that for him but i don't really like the minnesota backfield either i mean it's fine but i don't know what it looks like i we just need clarity it's the same deal with the Ohio state right like what's gonna happen i don't i don't really know a lot of uncertainty there um do we feel good about any of their receiving options dylan wright had a nice uh touchdown uh Mosta corner there almost had another one. Uh, Daniel Jackson had three for 58 as well. Um, Matt, do you feel strongly about either of those options while Chris Ottman Bell is still, you know, shaky health wise? Uh, I I actually kind of like both of them. Uh, I mean, for as bad as Ohio State's secondary is, it's probably still one of the better ones in the Big Ten. So that's probably one of the better matchups they're going to get. I don't know that they play Indiana. This year, I can't remember off the top of my head. I think Indiana is probably the only other team that has a really good secondary in the Big Ten. So I'd be fine playing. I like Daniel Jackson more, but that also may be more of just like a C2C play than, than right. Uh, but I'd be fine starting either one of them in your flex spots. Most of you are starting 
CFF and C2C leagues, you've got likely at least three different flex spots. So I'd be fine playing either one of them in one of my flex spots every single week, especially yeah. now with Ibrahim down because that they're going to – I don't think either one of those running backs, like Moxley mentioned, is going to do much. So I think Minnesota is going to have to pass a lot to stay in games and try and win games. Yeah, fair enough. All right. The other big game that happened over the past couple of days, um, Northwestern Michigan – no, I'm just kidding. Um, UNC played Virginia Tech last night um, at Virginia Tech. Crowd was was hopping. I've, I've seen some videos of, of when they ran out, and it you know chills, seriously. Enter um, Sandman. That's, it's one of the best ones. It really is. Every time. Every time, yeah. Um, UNC lost. They, went, they, they really did not look good at all in that game. Sam Howe struggled. Um, the whole offense struggled. Um, Matt, you watched that game, correct? Yes, what, yes. I was I was glued in. What what are you taking away from this performance um with Sam Howell all of a sudden is, is a day three pick according to Twitter? Um, so all I have to say to you and seeing Sam Howell is I'm sorry. You were the team that I was all in on this offseason, and I feel like I'm the reason why you guys suck. Uh I picked Sam Howell to win the Heisman and the Davy O'Brien in the article that will be dropping later today. So that's gonna look just beautiful after the egg that he laid last night. But I, I do think a lot of it, we were talking a little bit pre-show, I think a big part of it is that offensive line. And and you don't have a Javante or a Michael Carter to just dump the ball off to and let them do all kinds of work to get you to get you those extra yards. You lose a guy like De'Ami Brown, who we've seen, even though he got drafted, I think in like the fourth or fifth round in the NFL, has really been surprising at Washington's camp. Say what you want about Daz Newsom, didn't make the, the Bears, but he was a really good receiver for them. It really seemed like they only had downs. I don't even know if Brown played last night. I didn't see much of of uh, him. If he did, I just I, I I picked them to to beat Clemson, make it to the playoffs, and this offense. I, I everybody else was right. I guess I didn't believe that losing those players was going to be that big a deal. I thought Howe was going to be able to put everything on his shoulders. He tried. I, I can't put much on him outside of that horrible interception at the end of the game. Uh, he tried to carry this offense, but that offensive line had him running, and he's not a DJU, Jaden, well, Jaden Daniels, a little bit more athletic, but he's not in that class where he can use his legs to really create. It's more of to buy time, and when that, as soon as the ball is snapped and that offensive line is is already right at your feet and the defenders are, are trying to stack you, you're, you're, you're just not going to be able to do much on offense. Yeah, Um the rest of the, you know, none of the skill position guys looked great outside of Josh Downs. Uh, we're going to talk about him in a minute here. Um, Chris, do you, I, uh, Ty Chandler's there running back was okay. He, he took what was there, but, but nothing else really, you know, they, they rotated in a couple other backs. None of them were exceptional. Um, the line probably like Matt said to blame for that a little bit. Um, and none of the other receivers really stepped up. Are we expecting, can we get another weapon beyond Josh Downs here? Uh, at some point this year to, to give Sam Howe some help? Or is this really a, a Sam Howe got to gotta make somebody look good situation? I don't, I don't know. I, they look re, The receivers looked bad last night, too. I mean, none of them could get separation. That interception that he threw, the um, Olsen, I, who I wasn't familiar with before that play, got the ball just, like, snatched from him. And it, he just didn't even try. I mean... The, they look terrible. Like the whole offense. I, I don't really Sam Howell looked bad too. And there is ownership that he has to take for that performance. I don't think it's all 
the surrounding. Like, I just thought he looked poor. He was holding the ball too long, which he likes to do. Um, I'm like, I'm a Sam Howell guy. Like, I think he's the best quarterback in this class. But he was exposed a little bit last night for his weaknesses. And he needs to be better. And I don't think we're getting another piece on that offense until someone separates themselves. And maybe that is Coffrey Brown later in the year. Maybe that's I – I don't think it's Antoine Green. I don't think it's Emory Simmons. <laughs> I'll tell you. I'll tell you that. Maybe that's. Uh, but Josh Downs looked awesome. Yeah, Josh yes. Downs was. Well, awesome. maybe, but hey, yeah. maybe Bo Corrales. Yeah, maybe Bo yeah. Corrales. I mean, they were missing Bo Corrales, so you never know. <laughs> he could be the key to unlocking that offense. Yeah, say what you want about Bo Corrales, who was who's been basically their third option there the past few years, or maybe closer to fourth or fifth option. But he uh, he brings some seniority, some experience to that room. Josh Downs, nine for one thirty-two and one yesterday. Big big day. Um. Uh, they went to him early and often. Sam Howe really, really likes Josh Downs. Um, I've said all offseason, I think he's a wide receiver one this year overall over the course of the season. Um, just based on sheer volume, he's going to see. Um, do we, st- how, how do you feel about Josh Downs, Brandon? Are you, a, are you a truther or, or not? Yeah, I really like Josh Downs. And as you saw last night, you know, he's going to be targeted a lot. And since the other receivers aren't really showing up, I think, you know, if Howell gets in trouble, he'll continue to go to down. So I would agree that, you know, he's going to continue his production probably all year. Yeah, I mean, I think part of, part of what's going to help him is the fact that there's nobody else there right now. And part of it, obviously, that that that's, that Howell likes him. Um Yesterday seems like what we're going to see out of him all year, though. You know, like that, that it probably a bit a chance for a big touchdown play or two every week, and then a uh, volume underneath. And I think you know you can get the explosive plays and and just the straight volume there for him. Um, any last thoughts on the UNC game, guys? Um, before uh, we jump into um, a, a little piece from Jarek, I thought Burmeister looked interesting. I thought he was better than I thought he'd be. He was athletic. Um, I think he could be a weekly starter. In, in your leagues, I I think he has a rushing upside to do it. He's, I mean, he's not like a top 30 guy, but he's higher than I had him going into yesterday. He had some nice throws on the on the perimeter, um, you know, he had 30 yards that one field. throw, yeah. yeah. Yeah, there was a couple really nice that stood out last night. Trey Turner. <clears throat> yeah. yeah, so he was, he was impressive, more impressive than I thought he was going to be. So I'm a little bit more excited for the receiving options there than I was. I think Trey Turner is interesting. I love Tavion Robinson and James Mitchell, obviously. So that offense could, could have a little bit of value this year. Yeah. Robinson should have had that touchdown there where he, he failed to get a foot in, in the corner of the end zone on a, yeah. on another great throw by Braxton Burmeester. Um, so, so take, take that one, uh, put that one on the board for him and, and an even better day. All right, guys, uh, as we did last week, uh, Jarek is going to go buy the numbers here for us and uh, tell us a little bit about a player that he's looking for uh, today. Understand the numbers. It's time to dive into the classroom with a beautiful mind, Jarek Backus, and by the numbers. Thanks. Today I'll be looking at how good Bijan Robinson was as a first-year player. Bijan plays for Texas in the Big 12 Conference. He stands at six foot, 215 pounds, and was a five-star recruit out of high school and the number one RB in his 2021 recruiting class. Last year was his first season. He had 86 rushing attempts, 
for 703 yards and four touchdowns. He also added 15 receptions for 196 yards and two touchdowns, earning 141 PPR points for his first season. Let's take a look at his advanced stats for his year one compared to other players drafted rounds one through three, because let's be honest, that's where he's going to be drafted. His reception share was 7.2%. That's number 17 in the last 10 years, behind Saquon, Swift, Chubb, Akers, and Dobbins, but ahead of players like Christian McCaffrey and Kareem Hunt. His dominator rating, which is his share of the team's rushing and receiving work, was 17%. That's around players like Etienne, Hunt, Ingram, Dobbins, Rojo, and Dalvin Cook. His backfield dominator rating was 48%. Backfield dominator rating is his share of the backfield work, only including running backs. That was good for number 11 in the last 10 years, behind Taylor, Ingram, Akers, but ahead of players like Dobbins, McCaffrey, and Montgomery. His yards per team play was 1.26, also number 11 in the last 10 years, around big names such as Akers, Fournette, Dalvin Cook, Kareem Hunt, and Rojo. Looking at all these advanced stats, he is routinely around players like Saquon, Swift, Akers, Chubb, Dobbins, and routinely ahead of McCaffrey for freshman year production. I honestly think with his size, speed, pedigree, and production, he is a lock for first round draft capital. Now back to you. If Jarek's saying it about one of my favorite players, that is music to my ears. Um, so thank you, Jarek, for that on Bijan Robinson. We get to make our picks for the day. I think we all did pretty well last week. The only game that we mostly did poorly on, except for Brandon, was that that Nebraska-Illinois game. Um, so let's see how we do uh, on our five games this week. Our first so one. I am I am keeping track of all these, by the way. So yes, we, the third of us went four and one. Brandon did go five and zero oh last week. The only one who I guess currently is undefeated now on the season. Man, look at but you, he's gonna Brandon. fuck up today because that's all some of his picks. So we're we're good. We're good. <laughs> he, he's coming back to the pack after this week. <laughs> Man, all right. So Penn State, Wisconsin, the first game we're gonna talk about here. It's a twelve p.m. Eastern time kickoff. Um, I'm first up here. I'm taking Penn State. I, as much as it hurts me to say it, I think, you know, two teams, I don't know what to expect offensively from them, but, but, but I, I'll, I'll lean Penn State. I just think they're stronger roster overall. I'm with you, Austin. I'm taking Penn State. I think they're the better team. And I think that if it comes, it comes into a shootout and they have to rely on Graham Mertz to pass the ball to win them the game. I don't think that happens. I like the weapons on Penn State a little bit more. So I'm taking Penn State. You're up, Mox. Chris. Oh, I wasn't sure which way we're going. I also like Wisconsin. Sorry, but no, I'm. Uh, I think Wisconsin's going to just shut down the entire offense. I don't think Sean Clifford's really any good. I, Noah Kane's my say. I don't think they're really going to be able to generate much this week. So I think Wisconsin just shuts them down, and we get a good old Big Ten uh, matchup from these two teams. We're both. I mean, they're both top ten defenses. I don't think it's going to be an exciting one. Yeah, I'm also picking Wisconsin. Uh, I think I actually really like uh, Mertz, and I just think I I would trust him more than Clifford. So if if he has to pass, and I just think Wisconsin's a better 
a better team, and we don't really know what Penn State's going to be doing on offense necessarily. So I'm going with uh, Wisconsin. All right, guys. Second game here that we are uh, picking Indiana at Iowa. That is a 3.30 p.m. Eastern, Stein, Eastern Standard Time kickoff. Uh, I'm going Iowa. I'm st- I'm 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 not bullish on these quarterbacks that tore their knees up late last year and then are coming back for this opener. That means I am I'm feeling pretty good about Alabama blowing out Miami today. Uh, we'll talk about that here in a minute. But I'm also down on Penix and Indiana, uh, and so for that reason, I will take Iowa. Oh, I am taking Iowa as well. Uh, I don't think Indiana was as good as they showed last year. I think they're going to take a little bit of a step back. I like Iowa's defense more than I do Indiana's offense. Well, I am really big on Iowa this week. Uh, um, I'm really not worried about Indiana either. I think, like Austin said, we don't know what Michael Pence is going to look like to start the year. And I just like Iowa. I just think Iowa's the better team straight up. I think Indiana's riding off a defense that got very lucky last year. 20% of their opponent's drive ended in turnovers, which is an absurdly high margin. Like that is ridiculous and unrepeatable. I think Indiana's going to be worse than a lot of people think they are. Um, I think people think they have some great defense. I don't think that's true. So give me Iowa. So I'm going to be going against the grain again. I pick Indiana this week. It's more of my lack of faith in Iowa in early games. I feel like they always drop one early on, and some sometimes their offense is so conservative. I, I just even with not knowing what you're getting with Pennix, I just think Indiana could possibly score more points, and I just don't think Iowa's offense is going to be that dynamic at least early on. So I'm going with Indiana. All right, the third game here, we're going to talk about Miami against Alabama, these early season showcases that that Bama does every year, 3.30 p.m. Eastern kickoff. Um, As I said earlier, I am off on these these quarterbacks that were injured late last year and are coming back early, Uh, doubly so for Derek King, who gets the the honor of having to to go up against this Bama defense that I think is going to be um, more of the usual Bama defense than what you'd expect. Uh, I think it's Alabama. I think they cover. I would not be surprised if they win by 25 or 30. Um, I just think this game is going to be a runaway uh, game for the Tide. Yeah, uh, I'm with you. Not much else to say there. Give me Alabama. Dang, I am on the opposite of both y'all today. I think, well, I take that back. I'm on Bama. I'm on Miami to cover. I'm not as confident as y'all are in uh, in Bama covering 19 and a half. I think Miami's not a bad team. I mean, obviously Alabama's great. I like them to win, but I will caveat that with, I think it's closer than 19 and a half is. I also pick Bama, and I, I agree with Austin, Matt. I, on the show sheet, I said Bama by a million. Um, but I will say uh, on prize pits, I did take the over on Charleston Rambo's uh, receptions. It's at three and a half. And in the spring game, they threw it to him a lot short. So I think he could, in you know some garbage time, get a lot of receptions today. And I will say conversely on that, I took the under on Bryce Young's passing yards. It was at 325, I believe, when I when I saw that. And I think, you know, I think they get up early and then they just pound the ball with their their, their large stable of running backs there. Um 
Louisiana at Texas, 4.30 p.m. kickoff. Louisiana um, upset Iowa State early last season. They are ranked to start off the year. This should be a pretty good game. Um, I I think it's a close game. I do, uh, but I, I will take Texas in this one. Um, I just think, you know, Sark coming in there, they've, they've got, they've got some weapons there. Uh, I, I think they can, and no one is sleeping on UL this year. You know, maybe Iowa yeah. state got caught sleeping a little bit. Texas will not be, uh, they'll be ready for this game. So yeah, give me the Longhorns. I'm taking Texas as well. I expect uh, Sark to go out there and get his first win with UT. I think Hudson Card might actually have a decent game. I know they're going to play Casey Thompson a lot, but I'm all in on Texas and this offense. Yeah, I like Texas too. I, I think it's going to be close as well. I think Louisiana is a good team. Um, and so I'm not sure that they – the spread right now is eight. I'm not quite sure about that. I liked it more when it was 11. But um, give me Texas today, and I think it kind of stays close-ish. Yeah, I'll, I'll take te- uh, Texas also, and I did a DF- DFS, and I actually am playing uh, – card today in that so i'm hoping he can get a big game today all right guys the last game for the week the big one top five matchup georgia against clemson 7 30 p.m kickoff uh this the campus to canton coast to coast show will be coming on right as this one wraps up tonight so be on the lookout for that um this i think this is a clemson win georgia i I would feel really good about Georgia. I probably would have picked them a few weeks ago, but they just have so many injuries at this point to so many skill guys that I think it really lowers that margin for error, especially against a very strong Clemson defense. If this was DJU's first start, maybe I would feel a little worse about it, but he's played in some big games. You know, he lost that Notre Dame game, but through no fault of his own. Um, so uh, he, he's got enough experience to not look like CJ Stroud to start off this game. Um, so, so I think Clemson goes out there and I think they cover, I think they, uh, the line, I think last time I saw was a three and a half or whatever. I think they win by at least a touchdown. I'm taking Georgia. I I know they've got the injuries, but I think that defense is going to be one of the best that Clemson not only plays this year, but better than the defenses that uh, TJU played last year. I know that the margin of error is little. I believe in JT Daniels getting that kind of experience he got last year. They're going to be able to rely a little bit on the run game. It's going to be a close game. I agree with what Austin said earlier that I don't think it's going to be high scoring. I wouldn't be surprised if this is like a 24, 20, 21, 27 kind of game. But I think Georgia just squeaks out a win here and gets the upset against Clemson. I like Clemson too, for basically the same reason Austin said. Um, I think they cover as well. I think they're just straight up better and I'm also very worried about UGA's injuries. I don't know if JT Daniels is even like a great quarterback, to be honest. Like his advanced metrics are very poor. I think he's going to struggle this week. So Clemson, I, I like Clemson to win by touchdown also. I think they're going to easily cover the, the – it's three right now, last time I looked. I think you can get it at three on some books still. So give me Clemson. I'm going with Georgia. Uh, I actually am pretty high on JT Daniels. I saw some good things, or you know, last year, and we'll see if they cut if Georgia kind of opens up that offense because I think that's what they'll need to do. But with all the injuries, but I still have uh, Georgia just ma- mainly based on their their defense and um, a lot of, a lot of new parts on Clemson's offense. Even though DJU showed great things last year, I think he still might start off a little slow in this uh, first game.
It's Coast to Coast presented by CampusToCanton.com. We are absolutely loaded for you tonight covering everything in week one of college football. But I need you to do two things for me. Go ahead and hit that subscribe button and turn on your notifications so that you can know every time we go live for Coast to Coast, uh, Saturday nights, and then the tailgate in the morning. Do that. And then also jump in the chat right here and tell us where you are watching from. Let's start how we start every week here on Coast to Coast with the rundown. Brandon Hay, come in here. Uh, we just finished Georgia, Clemson. Brandon, what were your takeaways from this game from a fantasy perspective in a game that was uh, not a lot of offense? Right. Both uh, both teams have really good defenses, but I think the offenses struggled. Uh, on Clemson's side, their offensive line, uh, their struggles last year with Trevor Lawrence, and it continued this this year for the first game. Uh, Georgia was blitzing up the middle, and uh, DJU just did not have time, and the receivers were not getting uh, separation. Um very much. They got a couple big plays, but throwing a lot of short passes, uh, they couldn't run the ball. So uh, they had, uh, I believe, eight, eight carries to the running backs, and none of them really got going. And I was surprised they didn't try to throw more short passes to Shipley, uh, Will Shipley. So um, that was a little worrisome, but hoping since he's a freshman, they'll they'll get him more involved. And on the Georgia side, um, with all their injuries, they uh, they decided to include the tight ends a lot more in this game, and they were successful on that. But it was a ugly offensive game. You know, the first the the only touchdown was a pick six. So uh, I think it would be hard to uh, trust anyone on Georgia's offense right now, especially how they rotate the running backs. And it seems like it's a pretty even split how how they're doing that with um, three of their running backs. So uh, I wouldn't necessarily. Uh, trust that and on the Clemson side. I think DJU will get better. I thought he would start out slow tonight. I did not imagine this slow and you know struggle this much. But I think he will get it going. I think they'll get the offense going. But it definitely was a struggle for both teams tonight. Uh, no Darnell Washington. No Eric Gilbert and Brock Bowers targeted early and often for Georgia. And then DJ Uyunglele sacked seven times. He was frustrated all all evening. If you're looking for the wide receiver who was going to emerge from that that loaded core, it looks like it's going to be Justin Ross. They attempted to to target him uh, early and often. Brandon, thank you. We will come back to you. Austin, let's get in here. Earlier, we saw the debut of Bryce Young, and he looked very good. In fact, he set the record for passing yards by a first-time starter for Alabama. I was a little bit worried uh, after watching their spring game that Bryce Young would uh, start off a little slower today. He, he made some questionable decisions, I guess, in, in that game. Um, looks like Saban had him calm, ready to go. Uh, and it's not like he wasn't a high-end prospect in his own right. The kid was a five-star coming out of high school. Uh, he, he was up there in everybody's uh, you know rankings with DJU. Um, so we shouldn't be surprised at, at the big day he had there. Um, 344 yards passing, four touchdowns. Um, I mean, they took their foot off the gas pedal there. I think they could have just continued to do whatever they wanted there uh, in the passing game. Uh, some some interesting um, splits amongst the receivers. Jamison Williams uh, had himself the biggest day of the group, although a lot of that can be attributed to that 94-yard touchdown that he caught. Uh, beyond that, you know, three for 30-ish. So he might be a big play-dependent guy for fantasy purposes. 
Um, obviously, then, you know, with the speed uh, can can potentially be something uh, as an NFL guy further down the line. Uh, beyond him, John Mechie, the guy that we thought would lead them in receiving today, had, uh, you know, led them in reception, six for 76, had the touchdown on the opening drive, a, a nice diving um, a dive at the pylon for a score. Some interesting names behind him, though. We knew Jaleel Billingsley was probably in the doghouse. Uh, Nick Saban has repeatedly said this offseason that he has not been doing the things he needs to do uh, to be successful there at Alabama. Uh, Cameron Latu slid right in there uh, and caught two touchdowns. You know, he is going to be a red zone guy, probably almost exclusively for them. Three catches, two of them touchdowns. Um, but the tight end uh, landscape, you know, there's not a lot of high scoring guys in college, so could be worth something down the line there. I think he's probably worth a look. If maybe your tight end situation isn't ideal, uh, Slade Bolden, Jojo Earl, Javon Baker. I mean, these guys all kind of chipped in. The game got out of hand early. Um, I, the one thing I will say about Bama today that I that I didn't love is just they split those touches between the running backs so evenly. Hopefully that does not continue. It's going to give us a headache uh, for fantasy purposes here uh, this entire season if they keep it up. Brian Robinson got the start, 12 carries, 60 yards. Trey Sanders. We weren't sure exactly what he'd look like. He looked solid, 8 for 41 and a touchdown. Jace McClellan got nine carries. Uh, Roydell Williams got six carries. So, I mean, they, they really split that backfield. Um, uh, hopefully one guy can emerge or, you know, maybe there will be some bigger days ahead on the ground there um, where some of these guys can be fantasy relevant for us. On the yeah. flip side of that, Miami. I think a lot of us said all week, this Miami team – I just don't think they're very good. You know, Derek King coming back from that knee injury, he is a guy that relies on his legs. I think he looked a little hesitant to run there early, um, and he's just not a good enough passer to just be a pocket-passing kind of guy. Um, you know, he he completed, uh, what, 23 for 30 today, but only 179 yards, one touchdown, two interceptions. Um, nine carries for 10 yards. The thing about him is because he he tries to run, he takes away a lot of opportunity from those running backs. And because he's not a great passer, he doesn't elevate any of the wide receivers. He's kind of just a, a vacuum for fantasy purposes. So I'm not comfortable starting any Hurricanes until I can see something different beyond De'Ara King um, this season. I think if anything, anything you got to say that Bryce Young is good. Jaleel Billingsley is absolutely in the doghouse. This could be a potential buying opportunity for a player that none of us at Campus to Canton really thought was an NFL prospect, given that you know he's a very, very light player. But Austin, thank you. We're going to come back to you, obviously, late in, later in the show. Matt Bruning, Texas and Louisiana. This one was as close as we thought it would be. Um, Louisiana is a veteran team, and they almost had – uh, Texas's number today. Hmm. Uh, I mean, I don't necessarily agree with that. Uh, it's a uh, score is 20 points away. And I don't think that it even ever really looked that close. Uh, Chris Smith was really the only pl player in my opinion that stood out for Louisiana, 11 carries for 55 yards and one touchdown. He did add four receptions for 19 yards. What I took away was Texas. We were all worried about what this team would look like. Sark coming over here. We were hoping that this offense would look really good, uh, but we all talked about 
this could be a slip-up game for them. They could start out the season 0-1, and then what would that do for Texas? And they didn't. Hudson Card, I think, looked good for most of the game. He missed some throws early, but settled in. He tossed two touchdowns in the first half, ended up 14 for 21, 224 yards and two touchdowns. And then Austin's guy, Bijan, was just an absolute beast. He took over this game. This was the Bijan game. 20 carries for 103 yards, a 5.2 average with one touchdown. He added four receptions for 73 yards and a touchdown. First touchdown of the season came on that, uh, that catch. However, I was a little worried midway through the fourth quarter. He got tackled kind of awkwardly and landed awkwardly by two players. He limped off the field. Nothing has been announced on the injury, but he did not come back in. Uh, but Roshan Johnson looked a little bit uh, okay earlier in the game and for him when he came out. Uh, some quick notes on the receiving core as well. Whittington seemed to be the main target for Card in this one. Seven receptions for 113 yards and a touchdown. And Xavier Worthy looked really good. He's kind of been the talk of the C2C community. Looked really good on those punt returns and kickoffs, so I wouldn't be surprised if he starts to work his way into that receiving ro uh, rotation. You know, I think the community, the draft, the NFL draft community is starting to realize that B. John Robinson is absolutely one of the best players in the 2023 class, the 2023 class, and uh, all in all likelihood, the best running back in college football. Maybe that's something that pro football focus can uh, catch up with now. Matt, of course, we will come back to you later in the show. Uh, Kevin Coltman appearing here from the West Coast. Kevin. Penn State, Wisconsin, this game was ugly, but there are a couple of players in this game that we wanted to keep an eye on. Uh, of course, Jahan Dotson, Parker Washington, Graham Mertz is still someone that I believe in. Uh, what, did it, what did this game look like from a fantasy perspective? Yeah, on the show sheet I put, this is a game that you have to watch when you go to hell. Uh, the uh, first half was bad. Uh, it, was, it was tough to watch out there. Defensively, it was there. Uh, offensively, on the next side, you know, Clifford, Sean Clifford kind of bounced back in that second half. He finished with 247 yards and a touchdown. But, you know, to me, Noah Kane only had eight carries for 48 yards and a touchdown. So you saw that there. I think the bigger story is Kevon Lee. I know some people are t touting him as being kind of the next running back. Uh, and the guy they wanted over Kane, and he had three attempts for negative four yards. And he couldn't get it going. So I think, you know, he was getting drafted kind of higher than I expected in a lot of drafts this summer. Um, so that's something to keep an eye on there. But, hey, Jahan Dotson looks like he's the real deal, uh, second, you know, Second round draft capital is kind of what I think his ceiling is. He got five receptions, 102 yards, and a touchdown. Uh, and he looked good. Parker Washington had four catches, 47 yards. He had some, he had some highlights, but those two guys, I think Dotson really set himself up well against a tough Wisconsin team at Wisconsin, and it, it looked good. It was a good game. Uh, Wisconsin on the other side, you know, there's really no one there. I mean, Mertz, he had 185 yards, you know, interception, or excuse me, did, but he just didn't look very good. Uh, Ches Maluzzi's there. He had 31 carries. Obviously, Berger's hurt right now. So I feel like when he gets in, he'll get that volume that we're going to see there. So from a fantasy perspective, I don't see any of those guys being relevant. But Penn State, I, I think Jahan Dotson's the guy that you want. And after that, it's pretty, it's, it's kind of just, it's there. I, 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 this game was really bad. I watched this game for the show, but uh, uh, you guys need to pay me more for this because it was an awful first half. Second half was better. Uh, Kayvon Lee, though, I think is the big thing. I think people just overdrafted him. All right, we're going to wait another week for the Theo Johnson breakout game yeah. then. I guess uh, this one was a defensive struggle. All right, let's bring in Nick Whalen. Uh, Nick Whalen, analyst, Dynasty Trades, Calculator Podcast, Dynasty Nerds Film Room, where he's my co-host. You can find him at underscore Nick Whalen. Nick, I wanted to bring you on because I wanted to talk a little bit more about this Georgia-Clemson game, uh, something that – a game that everyone was paying attention to in an ugly game like this, 
Uh, is there anything that you can take away as an evaluator from, say, JT Daniels, who some are considering to be a potential first-round draft pick, had less than 150 yards passing tonight, or DJ Uyunglele, who was frustrated, sacked seven times? But is there anything that you can take away from our skill position players from a game like this tonight? Uh, well, just quarterback-wise, I think the most important trait you're always looking for is mental processing. You know, and we saw it two very different quarterbacks handling it. It's, you know, what's the pre-snap read? What's the front? Where are they going to blitz from? You have to anticipate. And then post-snap, you know, the, obviously they stunt and they move around and they adjust coverages. And we saw JT Daniels, I think, was fairly calm. He was processing. He was making good decisions. He made one bad decision, which I thought was actually great coverage. Uh, they disguised that well. But other than that, his throws were safe. Um, I think there was a, a wrong route run in the end zone, and that was a touchdown to the tight end. If he missed, it was outside. Only his receiver was going to get it. But then you saw DJU, and it was a lot of panic. Even some of the completions he had was off the back foot. He always rolled to the right. Um, I think there were some things that Clemson could have done offensively calling the game that made that easier uh, on him. But in the end, it's one game. You know, I know we want this big reaction, but we have such a small sample size with DJ right now. And we need to remember he's still growing as a quarterback. So right now he's not processing. I think that's the number one thing we need to look for. If he has an easy opponent, it doesn't matter what the stats are. How is he processing blitzes and split second decisions and pre-snap reads? So that's the thing I'm going to take away. I took away Daniels was pretty prepared and DJU was not prepared with mental processing. Yeah, I, it, it definitely kind of a disappointing performance from both of them there. Um, for the running backs in this game, uh, especially on Georgia, um, you know, they, they have that huge stable of guys. We were kind of curious how that split would shake out. Uh, Zamir White uh, had the majority of the carries there, 13 for 74. Uh, Kendall Milton chipped in with six for 27. James Cook had five carries. You know, a, a bunch of guys got in there. Um, anything you took away from from those guys tonight? Yeah, I was I was more impressed than I thought I would be. Um, I, I know, uh, Felix, you've been talking up Zamir White. So, you know, I was like, okay, I want to watch him mainly just so when we talk. But uh, I was impressed. I saw a little bit more burst out of his game. And even with running backs, there's mental processing with cutting and, and not rushing cutbacks and things like that. And I thought he looked really mature. I think he looks healthy. Um, he ran hard. Uh, late in the game there, when he had that run to ice the game, the ball moved. If you want to see that the points weren't where the point should be, but he didn't fumble. Uh, but I thought he looked really good. He looks like a guy. I think that's a day two pick. Um, Kendall Milton, I think, has gotten the most hype from Georgia in terms of this young up and coming stud. And I thought he looked powerful, but I thought that he used his power too much. I think that he should have avoided more often. He would have gotten more yards. Uh, and Cook kind of is what he is. He's this um, kind of third down change of pace guy, which he had some smart runs there to ice the game. I love that sugar huddle that they did. It threw Clemson off. It was perfect. And uh, McIntosh only got a, a couple of touches, so we couldn't really evaluate him, I don't think. So so James Cook won't be his brother? Is that He, he won't be down <laughs> Cook? We can take that away at least. Yeah, do, you, do you remember those uh, quotes when he was like, I'm better than my brother? And yeah, he's not going to be. <laughs> no. He's going to have a role at the next level, though, I believe. Uh, let me ask you about his teammate, though, Nick. Uh, JT Daniels, the five-star, started at USC, came uh, transferred to Georgia after Keaton Slovis takes the job there. Where, If he's going to be a first-round quarterback, which some are projecting him as, where does he need to improve? Hmm. 
Yeah, uh, I mean, for him to be a first-round quarterback, in my mind, he, at best, he'd be a mid to late first-round pick. But he needs to start hitting on some of these deep shots. I know with no George Pickens, that really hurts them. Uh, but he needs to utilize the matchups when he has them and connect on those downfield shots. I know, in my opinion, in that second half, they played really conservatively. They weren't going to take chances. They were going to make Clemson beat them, and Clemson couldn't do it. Um, even when they took a shot on that second to last drive, I believe down the sideline, it was either my receiver is going to catch or nobody is. And I get it to win the game. But if you want to be a first round pick, you need to show that you can, can lead a team to a victory and not just manage a team, which is where he's at right now. Nick Whalen, dynasty trades, calculator podcast, dynasty nerds, film room. You can find him at underscore Nick Whalen on Twitter. Nick, thank you for joining us. Thanks guys. Have a good night. You too. Let's bring in the whole crew here. Let's bring in the whole crew here to discuss whose value saw the biggest change. I mean, lots of action going on in uh, all around the country in, in week one today. Austin, let me throw this up to you. Um, we're talking who whose value saw the biggest change today in campus again. Yeah, we did this a little bit last week, guys. Uh, obviously, a lot more games to choose from this week, so uh, maybe, maybe we all have more than one answer. Um, but let's come to, or let's go to Brandon first here. Brandon, who do you think uh, helped their stock the most today? We'll start there. Right. Yeah. So I would say uh, definitely Blake Corum for Michigan. I know he was a big a big value last year. A lot of people were expecting him to kind of take over that backfield. And they finally got seems to uh, have a scheme and got him the ball in space. And you could show his speed. He saw that and he had a nice kick return. He had a couple touchdowns. And also uh, Talia uh, for uh, Maryland, he had a, a over 300 yards and three touchdowns against a very good defense. And that was good to see. No interceptions because that was his biggest thing last year. He had two games where he had three touchdowns and then two games where he had three interceptions. So, it was good to see him have a better decision making. Yeah, Matt, um, who, who do you have today as a guy that, that, you know, probably helped their stock the most? I mean, I've got to start with my guy, Michael Pratt, right? I mean, we talked about him on the tailgate. I said you needed to start him. He was going to go out and have a good day. 296 yards, three touchdowns. He had 34 yards rushing with a touchdown as well against probably the second best defense he's going to see all year. They do play Cincinnati later in the year. I would say Cincinnati has a better defense than Oklahoma. Outside of that, they don't have really any hard games on their schedule. He was, I believe, a top 20 option in CFF last year. People may have been worried about that with obviously the COVID season. Was that really going to hold up just based off of one game sample size? I would say it absolutely is going to hold up with the way he played. Uh, so I think Michael Pratt through the roof and then Ben Eby over here in the comments. What's up, Ben? Anthony Richardson. I'm with you, bud. I love it because uh, Emory Jones, I, you know, just stocked down and that that's a ma major win for me in my bet. So Anthony Richardson, though, and Felix's guy as well. He looked uh, good coming in for Florida uh, and, and uh, taking over for Emory Jones at times in that uh, game against FAU. Well, the correct answer here is Jake Hayner. And Jake Hayner continues to put performances like this together. He is going to be a quarterback drafted on day two with some expectation that he contributes to that NFL team. Everyone here was considering that 
or that Oregon defense to be a defense that he just could not perform against. And he played very well today, nearly led them to the victory. And the thing that we don't give Jake Hayner enough credit for is just doing what is asked of him and not turning the ball over. No, he doesn't take shots every single time. Yes, he throws a lot of uh, underneath and intermediate stuff, but he makes good decisions and he can improvise. Austin, I know that you've always questioned his athleticism. He had some plays today where he had he had to where he had to escape the pocket and make plays downfield, and he absolutely did it. Even if he is a fourth round draft pick, I said it on Debbie Debate earlier this week. Jay Kaner to me is the Russell Wilson, is the Dak Prescott of this class, the quarterback that if he's taken on in the third or fourth round, I'm going to try to stash him on my dynasty teams because I think that he's talented enough to have an impact at the next level. Yeah, I think I think those are all fair answers. Um, I, I, a fun answer could be I think Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields helped their stock the most today. As we saw, these teams don't run themselves. You know, DJU had a terrible day. CJ Stroud was questionable the other night. Uh, but how about Bryce Young for a serious answer? I know I talked a little bit about the Bama game earlier. I mean, talk about a kid that, you know, obviously highly rated. We had expectations for him. I think he went out there and met and exceeded every single one of them today. Showed that this offense is probably not going to take a step backwards or very little. Um, they've had, you know, some pretty good teams there over the past couple of years. Bama is the best team that I've watched so far. I don't think that should come as, you know, a surprise to say that. Um, but I think Bryce Young is a large part of the reason why. And to be honest, it's just looking like Bama's going to run for this thing again. I mean, if Bryce Young plays, you know, seventy-five to eighty percent of that at least every week, uh, I, I don't think I, I don't think a lot of teams are going to be able to beat them. Um, go ahead. And he didn't even run. He didn't even yeah. run the ball today. The last I looked, he had one run for eight yards. I mean, that's a, a Bryce Young is a player who can absolutely run for hundred yards in a game, and he didn't even need it today. He was very efficient. He used his speed on the outside. Jamison Williams going to Alabama is going to change things for him. He adds an element that uh, John Mechie doesn't in that speed. No, if you are in campus to Canton Leagues, I don't think anyone's sitting Jamison Williams anymore. I don't think anyone is. So Jamison Williams also has to be considered in this conversation. So I, I actually want to ask you about that, Felix. I know, I mean, I know you can play the take out the big game game for you know anybody and make somebody look stupid. But is Jamison Williams fantasy value? I'm not talking about him as a pro prospect. I know you've always liked him as a pro prospect. His fantasy value, if it revolves around a big play like that, he's not going to have a 94-yard touchdown every single week, is he? I mean, why why, why is he not the Will Fuller of college fantasy football? I don't know if he is, but I don't want to sit him and leave, you know, that two for 150 on the on the bench. So, I, th I mean, if you have a stable of receivers and you've got somebody like Jaden Wally or, you know, Jalen Tolbert or somebody who's going to be stable, the boom bust of Jamison Williams, you should absolutely have that uh, starting in your lineup. That's just me. Looking forward to playing you in some of our leagues this year then. Um, <laughs> so a lot of guys that help their stock here, guys. But the question here initially was whose value saw the biggest change. Some guys probably had to drop. Do we have, you know, Matt, I'll come to you here first. Anybody uh, stand out to you right off the top of your head that just was not good today? No, because I don't want to go based off one week. I mean, I, I know Rattler didn't play great. I think 
the biggest hit may have been, I think Jay Wack or maybe it was Ray tweeted this out earlier. I think the biggest hit we saw today was the 2022 uh, draft, the quarterback draft class uh, with as bad as all those guys plays. Now we haven't seen Carson strong play yet. Malik Willis was okay. He was not as great as we thought he was going to be he played. Okay. Uh, but, but Hal did not look good Friday night. DJ. Oh, I'm sorry. Not DJ. You Spencer Rattler did not look good earlier uh, today. So I think those guys took the biggest hit. But it's not two guys that I'm really going to drastically change after one game. I want to give them a couple more weeks to see if this is going to be a consistent thing or if it was just a, hey, first week back in the season. You know, we talked about it. Crowd's back up. Everybody's amped. Rattler just kind of made Rattler plays. I, I don't think he played horrible. He just kind of made some decisions that he shouldn't make. And we saw a lot of that last year as well. Hal was a little bit more concerning, if I was going to be honest. Yeah, that Rattler line sounds very familiar. Uh, I think we, we've heard that one a few times before. Brandon, do you have a guy that hurt himself today? Um, like Matt said, you know, it's just one week, but we kind of brought it up with uh, Florida, with Emory Jones. You saw some, you know, he threw a really bad interception into the end zone, and that's been the biggest part of kind of evaluating him, his, his passing skills and everything. So I don't think that really made anyone feel better about that, and we'll have to see, you know, um, going forward if he cleans some of that up. Yeah, Felix, you have a guy? I mean, other than Spencer Rattler, I, I think you have to consider the the skill position players at Alabama who didn't play. So Ja'Cory Brooks, I, I'm still high on uh, a guy Hall. I was never really high on, on Brooks. But then Jaleel Billingsley. I mean, we thought that Jaleel Billingsley would be the cheat code in CFF formats this year, kind of especially how he was used in the spring game. Um, he's got to be one guy that you consider just you know, his value really taking a hit today. Yeah. And just uh, I'm going to toss this name out as a guy that just did not see as much opportunity as maybe we thought he would as Eric Gray at Oklahoma. Yeah. I, I don't know what happened there. I thought, you know, I know they rotate their backs. I expected more out of him. Just, you know, he just wasn't on the field as much as I thought he was going to be. So uh, a, a bummer there. Um, all right, guys, thank you all for hopping in here on this one. Um, let's send this over to Jarek, who has another by the numbers segment here uh, for us understand the numbers it's time to dive into the classroom with a beautiful mind Jarek Backus and by the numbers thanks today I'm going to be looking at Brees Hall to see how he stacks up to the last two running back classes Brees Hall is 6'1 220 pounds a prototypical size for an NFL RB he's also a four-star recruit which means he has pedigree now I could go on and on about all the awards he was nominated for, but let's stick to things that actually matter. I'm going to be looking at Brees Hall's 2020 season because for running backs and projecting to the NFL, the most important season is the one they did the best in. He earned 279 attempts for 1,573 yards and 21 touchdowns. Through the air, he had 23 receptions for 180 yards and two touchdowns, earning him 334 PPR points for the season. That mark was good for number seven in the 2020 and 21 class, behind Najee Harris, Jonathan Taylor, J.K. Dobbins, Juba Hubbard, Travis Etienne, and CEH. Now keep in mind, this was his second year these other players had three and even four years to hit that mark. His dominator rating, which is his share of the team's rushing and receiving work, was 38%, which 
which is good for number four in the last two classes behind Vaughn, Eno Benjamin, Chuba Hubbard, and Jonathan Taylor. His backfield dominator rating, which is his share of the backfield work, accounting for running back work only, was 84%, which is also number four behind Eno Benjamin, Chuba Hubbard, and Keyshawn Vaughn. His yards per team play, which is the number of yards he gained per team play, was 2.12. Good for number five behind Hubbard, Taylor, Najee, Eno, and Moss. His reception share was 9% behind Swift, CEH, Taylor, Akers, Najee, Etienne, and Javante. Looking at all this data, Brees Hall stacks up very well compared to the last two running back classes. It seems he fits right in there. Now, he still has another year to improve his numbers. So, some questions to watch for this year. Does he step it up in the receiving game? He's behind a lot of the big names from the last two classes. I want to see him improve on that this year. Does he test well at the combine? I think one of his questions is his long speed. And is that going to negatively affect his draft capital if he's not fast enough? Now, the goal of this was to see how he stacked up with the last two running back classes. So here is how I would rank those classes with Brees Hall involved from a prospect perspective. Jonathan Taylor, number one overall. Then I'd have Akers, Swift, then Brees Hall, Dobbins, Etienne, Javante Williams, Najee, and CEH. Now back to you. Brees Hall was 23 for 69 tonight. He is going to have uh, better days than he did today against Northern Iowa as Iowa State squeaks out a victory after being upset last year against Louisiana. Let's welcome in Kane Fissell to talk about from one backfield situation to another. Of course, he is the the uh, co-host of the Debbie Marketplace. You can find him at Debbie underscore Kane. And he's also a big-time Gophers uh, fan. Kane. Um, when you, when you lose Muhammad Abraham, what does that mean for the team and the prospects for the Gophers for this season? So I, I think there's, there's two main things, right? The first is not only do you have to figure out what's going to happen with the rest of the team, with the backfield, but then we also have to figure out how the offense is going to operate as a whole. So I'm going to start with the second question. Cause I think that's really, really important. And that means that Tanner Morgan's going to have to throw on early downs more often. Right. That that has to be the overall idea of what has to happen more effectively for the Gophers. And I think that starts not not with just Dylan Wright, but that also has to be Chris Hopman Bell coming back healthy and Daniel Jackson all working as a threesome to make sure that they're actually moving the ball down the field because we don't have anyone on our team as talented as Muhammad Ibrahim was. Well, let's talk about his potential replacement, and that is Trey Trayson Potts. We saw him before the injury line up in the slot, line up uh, as put returning punts for the Gophers. How excited should we be about Trayson Potts, given if he is that athletic, where they're lining up at wide receiver and they're lining up, lining him up to return punts? He could be p- potentially a more all-purpose skill set than Abraham was. Am I reading that right? Yeah, so I, I think that's that's worth a thought, right? The the best thing that we can do now as the Gophers is making sure that we're utilizing Trace and Potts in a way to get matchups against linebackers, right? We talk about that when we're talking about NFL guys all the time. If you can get Christian McCaffrey or someone like that that's fast and can work in space, 
against the linebacker, they're going to succeed. And the same idea happens in college, right? If you can just put Trayson Potts against linebackers, he's going to succeed in one-on-one coverage, right? But the issue between Trayson Potts and Muhammad Ibrahim is that Trayson Potts, as we saw kind of as the game progressed after Muhammad Ibrahim's injury, that he doesn't work as well in the inside zone game, right? We all know that the Gophers run a zone run scheme and they mix up both inside zone and outside zone schemes. And Muhammad Ibrahim is terrific at both, but Trayson Potts needs to work outside, right? He's not as strong as Muhammad Ibrahim is. So we really have to focus on that. And I think things are going to really change a lot. So I was talking to a lot of guys that, um, that are both coaches and and things like that at the university of Minnesota. And the, the biggest thing that the consensus seems to be is not only is Trace Potts going to be the one, but also the mix behind him is going to be really important and is going to be dependent on kind of the game plan, right? So if, if you're looking for more of a, a heavy inside the tackles run, you could be looking at a guy like Bryce Williams or something like that to get a few more carries. If the idea is to really spread the field, then maybe you're looking at a guy like Kai Thomas or, or Trace and Pod's really getting more of a role. So that's kind of what we're looking at right now. We don't have a clear picture as to what that's going to be because the the idea now is that the game plan is going to kind of change every week because Muhammad Ibrahim isn't going to be able to be there and, you know, handle 41 carries against Maryland like, like he did in the past. Kane, I'm going to write a waiver wire column and, you know, Trace and Potts is has to be considered i'm not sure what his ownership percentage is on fan tracks but is he the type of player if he's sitting on waiver wires that you push all your chips in to acquire Hmm. that's that's the the big question right um for the first few weeks of the season yes right when when minnesota's kind of facing their non-conference schedule which isn't super difficult when it comes to the run game so for the first few weeks of the season i think it's going to be really really important um but after that when we start to get into these big 10 matchups you know against iowa wisconsin things like that where we're going to have to run the ball a lot and try to be effective on the ground i don't think trace Potts is going to be able to do that unless they can really establish him as a true pass catching running back which is something that you haven't seen with minnesota since you know the marion barber era of the gophers which was you know back when we were winning so you know there's a whole lot of questions as to what's going to happen with the team but i think that's the best idea as to what people are letting me know right now kane Vassell, you can find him on the debbie marketplace with shane hallam you can find him on twitter at debbie underscore kane kane thanks for joining us hey thanks brother all right um austin am i throwing it to you you, you and Kel, sure are. Go, you sure are. Go ahead. I'll I'll get out of here. You guys go ahead. Take it. Good riddance. All right. How's it going tonight, Kevin? Thanks for joining us here again tonight. Um, you you are going to be doing a weekly segment here for us. Uh, our our West Coast, our, our left coast check in. Sorry, should I say? Since you live out there uh, in California, so how are you doing tonight? Hey, I'm doing good, man. Uh, you know, it's only 8:48. I can watch more games. That's why the West Coast time zone is the best, and I will stand by that. That's a good thing we don't have Felix in here to uh, debate that with you then. Uh, let's get into some of these games. We've got a bunch of them here tonight, actually, that are still either going on or yet to kick off. 
Uh, let's go to LSU here first. They've taken on a UCLA team that looked really good last week. Uh, uh, what's going on there at the Rose Bowl? Yeah, LSU is down 11 right now with 739 left in the game, and it is 31 to 20. Uh, and, you know, UCLA has the ball too. And it just looks like it is insane to me how good uh, US, UCLA's defense has done. Zach Charbonnet may be real. Uh, I know that you don't want to hear that, Austin, but – 10 carries, 119 yards, and a touchdown. They also have Britton Brown, 14 carries, 78 yards, and a touchdown right now, and they're both just running up LSU's defense, and that's hard to see from a Pac-12. Uh, Dorian Thompson-Robinson, you know, 215 yards and two touchdowns as well, so they look really good. Greg Dolchitz had a long touchdown run. Uh, Keishon Boutte has eight receptions, 103 yards, and two touchdowns, but you know what? UCLA might be kind of for real. Uh, maybe Chip's got to turn around there, and LSU, again, I, I talked about LSU on my Fantasy Pros article recently. They he, you know, Ed Ordron, this is a huge, this is a huge coach O for him for a season. He's got, he just replaced his offensive coordinator again. He replaced his defensive coordinator with a guy that hasn't been a real defensive coordinator since Bowie State. Uh, so there's a lot of question marks with that. And LSU looks like they're going to lose this game. Yeah, a, a tough one there to start out uh, for LSU there. And conversely, obviously, UCLA off to that nice 2-0 start. Um, Nevada Cal, two, two teams kicking off for the first time this weekend. Um, you know, Nevada, a hot name there in the Mountain West. Uh, down right now, though, right? Yeah, down right now. But, uh, you know, Carson Strong just threw a touchdown pass. Uh, he's got 91 yards and a touchdown. Uh, it's 14-10 uh, down, but they have the ball back. And this is going to be a good game, I think, all tonight. This is the game I'll be watching. Uh, I think Carson Strong's a top three QB of this class, at least top four. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what he has there. Uh, Romeo Dubes, I know everybody loves him. I probably pronounced his name wrong. He's got four catches, 68 yards, and a touchdown already. So it looks great. And then Chase Carver, Garbers, he's got 80 yards and a touchdown. But this game's going to go back and forth. Looks like Nevada's clawing back here, and it's going to be a barn burner. Yeah, two two quarterbacks there leading the way in that battle. Uh, we'll be interested to see how that one ends up. Uh, a game with, with two quarterbacks that maybe we don't feel so good about. BYU uh, against Arizona here. A uh, bit of a slower game here. What, what are we looking at here with, with these two guys? This is like the Wisconsin-Penn State nightmare that I watched. Uh, but it, it's it's 6-0 right now. Arizona's got the ball. You know, Arizona might be the one of the worst teams in college football. Uh, they, their offensive side of the ball, they got Gunnar Cruz out there, Will Plummer. Uh, they don't have anybody relevant on the offensive side or defensive side of the ball. BYU, uh, Tyler Algier, I know people like him. He's got eight carries, 52 yards, and a touchdown right now. Uh, so that's kind of where they're leaning towards. But again, the receiving crew is nothing there. It's 6-0 right now, and I would be surprised if they if they get over 30 points collectively on this game. Yeah, yeah, not not exactly an exciting one there. Um, a game that has already ended, actually, a, a weird one for, for a West Coast to be over here. Uh, it's been over for a while. USC San Jose State. Uh, San Jose was thought to maybe be a trendy upset pick. Uh, did not happen. <laughs> no, it didn't happen. I mean, I, I talked about this with Nick Starkle. I think people were talking him up last week, and I said, hey, they played Southern Utah. Like, let's chill. Uh, and then he came out, had two interceptions. Uh, Keaton Slovis looked okay. He just did what he needed to do, just throw it up to Drake London. Drake London had 12 catches, 137 yards. And I, I don't really know how to how to grade Drake London yet. He, he still, he, he puts up the numbers, and you got to love that for C2C purposes. Taj Washington's a kid to watch. He had four catches, 56 yards, and a touchdown. Uh, you know, I liked him. Keontae Ingram had 86 yards rushing. So USC looked good against San Jose State. It'll be interesting to see what happens after that. I, Slovis still, you know, I, I'm not that high on Slovis, but they did what they needed to do, put away San Jose State. I think some people were betting San Jose State. If you bet San Jose State, I'm, I'm sorry tonight. I won't name any names, but I know some people uh, that may have done that. Um, 
another one here that, that, you know, a little bit of a slower game. We got Utah State <laughs> and Washington State. Um, as soon as I heard Jared Guarantano was going to be the starter, I decided I would not pay any attention to this game. So, Kevin, tell, tell everybody how it's going so, so the rest of us don't have to, please. Yeah, yeah, it's 3-0 uh, in this – or no, 3-3, excuse me. You just got 3-3 in a second uh, with 13 minutes to go. Uh, yeah, th- there's really nothing going on here. Our boy Max Borgie, though, Austin, you know, he was going to the first round of Debbie drafts and C2C drafts last year. He's got four carries, one yard. That's legit, uh, 0.3 average. Uh, but after that, you know, this game is going to be bad. I don't really see where uh, where this game is going to go. I, 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 Utah State may pull it out, but – um, I won't be checking in on this game, but I, it is crazy how far Max Borgie has really fell. Like I saw him go at 105 last year in a C2C draft with legit people in it. It wasn't like, you know, these random guys that just joined and don't know what they're doing. And he got drafted over Najee Harris. He was a running back one last year. Uh, and that is crazy to me that how far he's fallen. Now you shouldn't draft him at all. Yeah, no, no receptions yet, which kind of stands out there, you know, by this point with uh, with Mike Leach, there probably would have had six uh, by the start of the second quarter already. Yeah. Uh, so so that that certainly hurts his value as well. Last game over there tonight uh, has not kicked off yet. Just want to get yeah. some of your thoughts on this Hawaii trying to rebound from uh, the smackdown last week against UCLA uh, taking on uh, Portland State. Um <laughs> tell us something about this game i don't i don't know anything about portland state i'm not gonna lie I, I don't know shit about portland state but what i can say about hawaii is uh they have todd graham as their head coach and todd graham is a terrible head coach and i think i think a lot of people were drafting shavon cordero and thinking like hey it's going to be the different the same offense uh obviously washington state's head coach who i cannot remember his name off the top of my head i just know he doesn't like vaccines uh i you Roll know shavon, yeah. yeah that guy uh shavon cordero you know, he had a bad game against UCLA. But hey, you know what? Looking at how good UCLA is playing around against LSU, maybe that's not as bad as the loss that we all kind of like, wow, I can't believe they didn't actually play a little bit better. Um, I, I like Cordero, though. But again, if you have Graham as your head coach, it's going to struggle offensively. They need to get Calvin Turner Jr. more involved. Uh, and I think they will. I think a lot of people probably started them tonight in C2C drafts uh, or leagues, excuse me. But yeah, besides that, I don't, I don't see too big. Kevin, well, thank you for joining us again. You can find Kevin, uh, co-host of the Debbie Royale, uh, Debbie contributor over at Fantasy Pros and, and a contributor here at Campus DeCanson with us as well uh, at Boys underscore 22 on Twitter. Kevin, thanks for uh, checking in from the West Coast here with us. Yeah, guys. Appreciate it. And we'll check you guys later. Uh, Felix is muted. There we go. I'm not muted. Oh, you were you were talking and nothing was happening there for a minute. All right, let's. Uh, we're bringing in everybody here. Um, some other notes from t- this week. I mean, Matt Bring, I'm going to throw this to you first. <laughs> Will Levis has a better day than Sean Clifford. 18 for 26, 367 yards, four touchdowns. Is Will Levis someone that you would consider at least in fan for fantasy purposes and starting there for UK? <sighs> no, I want to see it for one more week. I think he should have. Oh man, I spelled Clifford wrong too. That sucks. Um, <laughs> I, would, uh, 
I would, uh, if I was uh, Franklin, I would not have let Will Levis go. I think he is clearly the better talent than Sean Clifford. Uh, we've probably known that for the past couple of years that Sean Clifford just isn't it. Uh, Will Levis definitely looks like he would have been able uh, to at least lead Penn State to a more convincing victory over Wisconsin. Uh, but it definitely looked good today. It's great for all of the uh, Wandell Robinson shares that we have. We were hoping uh, he's a guy that I think still a lot of people hope can get that NFL draft capital, having a guy like Levis getting him the ball, making him relevant looks good but i think you're probably if he's on the waiver wire gonna have to pick him up this week after the week he just had but i don't know if i'm starting him just yet i want to uh give it at least one to two more weeks before i really fully buy into will levis austin it's one week but are you ready to admit that will levis is better than sean clifford um yeah i need to see i need to see more than one week you know uh you know not a particularly uh difficult matchup today clifford played wisconsin um i don't think clifford's good it's just a case of I just don't think Will Levis is good either. Uh, but I have been saying I like this Kentucky team this year. I, I like this Kentucky team. I think they can do some things. Got a got a nice defense, a really good offensive line. If Levis can can be legit, if he does what he does today, I think Kentucky can get be close to a top ten team by the end of this by the end of the season. I really really do. Brandon, hey, we continue to ignore uh, the diminutive dynamo in Deuce Vaughn. He goes. Uh, 13 for 124 and one and two out of 12, two for 12 receiving. Is it time to stop ignoring Deuce Vaughn? Uh, I believe it is because I especially thought Stanford would uh, play better today. I actually thought Stanford would win this game and uh, it was never really that close. And he just kept on producing. And I mean, we've seen players in the NFL, not a ton, but some smaller players like Darren Sproles, um, and um, Danny Woodhead, some smaller players, you know, have been successful there. So I think we st- need to start uh, you know, taking him more seriously uh, at the next level. No, I, I think that we need to start considering him um, as someone who could potentially be drafted on day two, and if not early day three. And I think that that's sufficient for a scat back who's going to be used the way he's going to be used. The thing is, is when when players get their hands on Deuce Vaughn. He just goes to the ground. And so if he has an open lane, he can skirt through it, but he's not someone who's going to break tackles uh, really at all. I did not check the score of the Georgia Tech game versus Northern Illinois. Uh, That game was close. Jeff Sims goes out for an injury, Austin, um, but he was three for eight uh, for 21 yards before then against a MAC team. I mean, just not looking very good. Um, is it, is it time to be concerned if you're a a yellow jackets fan? I think it is. And I think this is going to be a situation. I'll call it now that he does not get that job back. You know, Jordan Yates, whether it's they, you know, NIU did not have any tape on him or or whatever, but just looked so much better. 12 for 19 on the day when he came in a relief, 136 yards, a touchdown. Jeff Sims, I didn't expect him to, to look completely NFL ready, but he needed to look less lost than he did last year. He definitely um, was not comfortable really truly running an offense at times last year. Uh, did not look great today. Um, they, they've they got some athletes, some talent, some weapons there. You just got to have somebody in that driver's seat who can kind of get the ball in their hands. You know, we all love Jameer Gibbs, uh, but they have some other backs there as well. People forget Jordan Mason was a pretty decent uh, back before Gibbs got there, and he really was dinged up last year, barely played at all. Um, and they've they've got some different receivers there as well. So I, I think that 
that, that overall, if you can just get somebody in there to get them the ball um, and, and let them do some work, then I think Georgia Tech is better off for that. So I actually think we may have seen the last of Jeff Sims in a meaningful role there for the Yellow Jackets. Jameer Gibbs still good. Pour one out for Alfred. Uh, uh, Jameer Gibbs still good. Jeff Sims in one of his five incompletions was missing Jameer Gibbs in what would have been a touchdown on a wheel route. Um, Matt Bruning, uh, Auburn has a new head coach in Brian Harson, and that means good news for Tank Bigsby. Is it good news for Bo Nix also? I mean, it looked like it after week one. I'm I'm all in on the one-on-one hype train again for Bo Nix that started this offseason. Why not? I mean, he he actually did go out there and have a good game, and that's not surprising, right? I mean, Harson has, I think, had fairly good quarterbacks play throughout his uh, his entire coaching career from, from Boise State now coming over here. I mean, Bo Nix was a highly rated recruit. It's not like he was horrible. Austin, me and you, I know we've talked about it. I'm pretty sure on Debbie Debate where – Gus Malzahn really has never developed a quarterback. He gets credit for developing Cam Newton, but Cam Newton was pretty damn good before he came to Auburn, and he didn't really develop him any more than that. He's still kind of the same quarterback in the NFL that he was at Auburn, so he never really developed. So maybe that is what was holding Bo Nix back all this time. I still don't think he's going to be a first-round pick, but if he goes out there and continues to have a season like he did today, I mean, I, I was – I don't have his stats in front of me. He only missed like a five passes, right? I mean, he he had a a really good game. I know he had three touchdowns. I'm pretty sure over 200 yards passing. Only missed a couple passes. If they can, he can do that, and they can compete. Auburn's going to be a good team, and I, I do think that his draft stock will raise. Yeah. Um, that's right. All right. Um, <laughs> I was not paying attention. I mean, I Tank Bigsby's still going to be the guy there, right? I mean, they're only going to go as far yeah, as he can yeah. go. He had a huge day. Uh, my my super hot take, Tank Bigsby for Heisman, started off for, for decently Look, today. Um, I almost it, tweeted at you. I was like, hey, I, I, what is it, the first carry he took to the house? I was like, Heisman, here he comes. And, and Bo Nix has to be decent for that to happen. You know, yeah. They got to win some games. They can't win seven games, and ain't no one winning the Heisman on a seven-win team. So if, if Nix can do that, though, I mean, it's certainly – within the realm of possibility all right any other games that we need to cover guys uh let's see here i mean we talked a little bit about it but we've got um does anybody want to go more in depth on the Tulane oklahoma game i talked I mean, a little bit about we, pratt earlier yeah michael pratt is a a, a a cff stud i think it remains to be seen whether or not he has any nfl potential i don't know that we know that yet he is very much mistake prone um but he improved his mechanics last year his mechanics uh he's improved his mechanics last year his mechanics were just weird the way he stood up in the pocket on his tippy toes his feet would be very close to get together he looked more natural today uh for tulane and he and, and he runs the ball i mean he could potentially be a quarterback one or or a very high-end quarterback two in cff league so he has to be rostered and you're probably starting him every week how about super mario felix he got a touchdown today much to austin's chagrin yeah i think i still you know he made a dent in that 475 yard bet that we had that austin and i have so uh he's still got a little ways to go i need to get him i need he him had, to have a few had, hundred yard games he had 37 yards receiving let's uh well, if, if so that, he's almost below 400. No, we're if getting that's there. A dent, then, you know, oh, okay. we're, we're getting there. We're getting there. We're getting there. Hey, he's got like 12 more games. You never know. You know, not, not at this pace. He's not going to get there, but you never know. 
So I, I have a, a name that I want to toss out here. I think was an intriguing situation that developed from this game. And I tweeted about it. They put Caleb Williams in on the goal line and he ran one in for a touchdown. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Is there a chance that we see that, that freshman Tim Tebow role for Caleb Williams at Oklahoma this year? Cause Lincoln Riley will do anything. Like he, he'll integrate anybody in any which way into an offense. Uh, could be a fun way to kind of mix things up there for them. When, when you think about a quarterback, a quarterback running the ball changes the math because the quarterback's involved in the running game and, and therefore you can you know, have your maximum amount of blockers. And that's exactly what my coach – it's a boring play to call, but it is effective. And with a quarterback like Caleb Williams who is his asset, I mean, he is an asset in the running game and uh, Cam Newton it would be an adequate comparison for, for him – I think it makes sense strategically. I think it makes sense to develop him, to bring him on. These are easy situations, and he's going to excel there. We know that he can do a lot more, but getting his feet wet in that manner, no, I can I can absolutely see that. And Caleb Williams, I mean, speaking of Caleb Williams, I mean, he is absolutely a player that who could win the Heisman uh, in, in the next two two seasons or so just by get, you know, scoring 50, 60 touchdowns. Uh, rush, rushing and throwing because he's going to be used in that goal line area. So, um, no, I think it makes sense for them to use him to use him that way just strategically. It makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. Especially when if you're going to have him keep doing like dives on the goal line and get in and then say they get to the playoffs. I know Felix has been predicting them to go undefeated and make it into the playoffs. And then he just takes a step back and throws a pass to the like little tight end thing that Tebow kind of became famous for. I mean, it's it's the pass. perfect setup. Yeah, I mean, and Caleb Williams, we've all talked about it. He's a better athlete than Spencer Rattler. I think it opens up the playbook just a little bit more down there in the red zone as well. So I would not be surprised if he continues to uh, to continues to use uh, Caleb Williams when they get down there in the red zone and on the goal line. Another game that I just want to ask you guys about, this Washington game. They played Montana today. The 20th ranked Washington. They lost 13-7. to Montana was not expected to be a particularly great team this year. I don't believe Dylan Morris, three interceptions. Um, none of the running backs did anything of note. Um, Sam Hewer, do we see him this year? I, what are we thinking here? In two weeks. Two I think weeks. they give him, I think they give, uh, I think they give him one more week. And then if, if Washington's bad again, I, I don't see why you don't just put Hewitt in there. Let, let's get, get his nose bloody. You've got to give Morris enough rope there, at least, to to, to finish yeah. that job off. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a big upset. That I didn't even I didn't watch that game. I didn't realize that Washington yeah, actually, actually lost. Um, and so they take on uh, Michigan next week. Um, that's going to be a good game. Uh, no, I, I, I did not realize that that Washington lost to Montana. Hmm. Well, well let's stay on there. the. Uh, Let's stay on the freshman train here. Uh, Felix says, you didn't seem that impressed with the J.J. McCarthy uh, touch or not the touchdown throw, but the touch the throw uh, earlier that I tweeted. I, was, I thought it was a pretty damn good pass. You were just kind of like, okay, whatever. Like, you did not no, seem no. that excited about it. I was impressed with it. You know, he rolls to his, li- to his right, throws all the way across the field back to the left and hits the guy in stride. It was an imp- impressive throw. Michigan was impressive today. I thought that Western Michigan would actually give them um, a, a fairly decent game. It didn't turn out not to be that way. Uh, and Caleb, I mean, none of their, their players actually had a good game. But uh, no, it was it was it was impressive. I mean, we'll, we'll see if Jim Harbaugh can develop 
uh, any sort of skill position players. You've got Dalen Johnson there. You've got A.J. Henning, obviously, uh, Blake Corm, and, and I didn't see how Donovan Edwards played today. But they keep getting, you know, very good recruits, but it's just a matter of developing those guys. And, and, and Blake Corm, uh, over 120 yards, I think, today looked good. So we'll see. <laughs> Austin, are you out on Caleb Ellaby after that that performance? It was it was kind of bad. Yeah, he wasn't great. I think he did have a couple of really nice downfield throws though that he were you know dropped or or whatnot. Um, and they got some pretty consistent pressure on him all day. Um, I, I think you would like to see. You know, he's not that mobile. He's not the kind of guy that can single handedly win you one of those games against a better opposition like that. Um, just just because he does not have that element, and I, you know that. They were losing Sky more early. Uh, I, I think that probably submarined them. I, I am not out on Caleb Ellaby, um, at least not as a, a as a fantasy guy, because uh, you know, let, let's be honest. After he gets into the conference, there, he's going to be playing the same teams he played last year and, and put up some big numbers. So, uh, not concerning to me there at all. Michigan with that that big win today, I think bigger than any of us probably expected. Can we go ahead and talk about next week's storylines? I mean, we got two really big games in uh, Washington versus Michigan and Ohio State versus Oregon. Brandon, hey, let me throw – I mean, I would assume that Michigan's going to be favored in this game. Are you confident that your Wolverines are going to uh, take the W? I sure hope so because I'm actually going to be at the game next week, so – um, I hope I don't go go that far for a loss. But with how Washington played today, um, you know that that gives me a little more confidence. And it looks like Michigan, the uh, coaching um, hires they did this past year, seems like everyone's somewhat on the same page. You know, it, some of the game planning seemed to make more sense today. Um, obviously, it was a inferior you know team where Michigan should win. It's Western Michigan, but uh, you know I, I like I liked how it's trending, and it seems like they figured out how to do a better running back rotation. You know, they really stuck with Haskins and Corum for most of the game when it was in doubt, and then threw in Donovan Edwards with McCarthy late in the third and fourth quarter. And we got a treat in Week One with Clemson, Georgia. We get another treat next week with Oregon and Ohio State. I mean, anyone can take this, but I got to think that. Ohio State has to play better offensively than they did early on in that Minnesota game. And the same for Oregon. Uh, Oregon is going to have – this is probably going to be a defensive struggle, at least I perceive it that way, it, especially if Kayvon – well, excuse me, a little less so if Kayvon Thibodeau is out. But that Oregon defense is good. Um, how do you guys see this one playing out? I think it's going to be a low-scoring affair. That game is going to be a treat in the way we thought that Georgia Clemson game was going to be. And it ended up being like one of those, like, you know, you think they're an Oreo filled with, uh, with, you know, the regular cream and it's toothpaste. Somebody switched it out. Uh, not, not so sweet. Or mayo. Right into it. Or oh, and mayo and Felix's <laughs> mayo uh, for Felix's yeah. choice. There. Felix likes some people eat mayo. Yes. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, so I, I'm not sure. We'll see. I mean, like said out is going to be probably out next week. They haven't released any information, but left the game in a boot. Uh, not particularly exciting. Um, if, if Stroud can calm down, which mm-hmm. I think was part of the issue this week, I think that is Ohio State's game to lose. Uh, but but we shall see. Yeah, I agree with that. So last I saw, they were saying Thibodeau. Uh, I could have swore that. Um, God, now I can't remember his name. Um, Oregon's head coach, help me out. Uh, Mario just Cristobal. Out of my head. 
yeah, Crystal Ball said that wasn't serious. So I don't know if that means he will play next week or not, but I think Ohio State has the offensive line to be able to slow up Thibodeau. Obviously, he they won't stop him completely. Stroud, I agree with Austin. He's going to have to calm down. I, I think that Ryan Day is going to have to try and come up with and design some quicker throws. I, I feel like them trying to do the long stretching plays of giving Chris Olave 30 seconds and not really 30 seconds being a little facetious there, but the five, six seconds to get open downfield for those huge touchdowns are not going to work against a team like Oregon. Now they are missing some of their cornerbacks. I believe they were out this game, likely going to miss next week as well. Uh, so that secondary that I thought might challenge a uh, Garrett Wilson and Olave won't be quite as strong. And then really can Anthony Brown, attack the Buckeyes secondary because that's clearly their weakness. They've got the they, they've got the the players to do it. We saw Ibrahim kind of really beat up on the Buckeyes front line in this game. Now CJ Verdell is not Ibrahim, but can he as well kind of put pressure on that Buckeyes offense by playing the uh, time of possession game like Minnesota was doing for a lot of that game, just kind of running the ball, holding on to the clock, forcing CJ Stroud and them to try and beat them deep with those big play strikes. I agree with Austin. It's going to be a really good game. I I am nervous. I said today on the tailgate that if they had played Oregon on Thursday night, Oregon would have won that game. I, I don't, they would not have let that get away like Minnesota did. So if, if CJ Stroud and that offense plays the way they did, I expect them to lose the, that game uh, Saturday. I think it's early morning kickoff too. So that's the only thing maybe holds Oregon back. Uh, was that like a 9 a.m. kickoff uh, for them, but based on bo the body clock theory or whatever that's called? Well, does C.J. Stroud struggle again early, or does he take another step in his development? Can Michigan score points? We're going to find all of that out next week, and we'll be right here with you uh, after the, the uh, late games conclude, uh, and we will take you from coast to coast. All right, good night, everyone.